Today on the Hip Hop Multiverse, we're doing a snapshot episode. And what I mean by this is we're going to take a few songs from an album or artist, listen to them, and see what my guest thinks of them. Fortunately, Ali was willing to be a guinea pig on this different format, and we got a chance to chat about Digital Underground's music for today's selection. You know, personally, I'm a very casual Digital Underground fan, but with the recent passing of Shock G, I really wanted to speak about this uh, Golden Era group that was a little bit before my time. Their debut album was their most popular album, and today we're taking a snapshot of the album Sex Packets, which was released on March 20th, 1990. The songs chosen include Humpty Dance, Freaks of the Industry, Do What You Like, and Packet Man. So let's get into the show. Welcome to the Darwin Hip Hop Multiverse podcast. Don't know what episode this is because I'm doing them all out of order. So I'm your host, Darwin, and uh, today we have a, a special guest, and I'll let her introduce her herself. So what's your name? My name is Allie. All right. And Allie, how do we know each other? Um, you used to take my school supplies in our creative writing class and throw them across the room. Yep. That was, uh, that was one of, one of the things. So we yeah, so together and bonded over the torturing. Oh yes. So yeah, Allie and I go uh, way back. Basically we met freshman year of high school in Mrs. Gensler's class and stuff and became friends throughout high school didn't uh, talk a whole lot since then, but um, but uh, but I ended up uh, hitting her up lately, and we we chatted some. But I wanted to start a hip hop podcast, and it was funny because I was always thinking when I was explaining it to my mom, she'd always ask like, "So you're gonna ask this person to be a guest or this person to be a guest?" And I'd always try to explain it's more important that I have a guest that um I can talk to for an hour than just someone that's a hip hop head that I wouldn't be able to stand talking to for an hour. So that's how we bring in um, someone like you. So, so to begin this, so to begin that. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the general question. So, how are you doing in life? Oh, I'm great. I'm in nursing school, so I only cry six out of seven days a week. Could be worse. I guess you can say it could be worse. <laughs> and um, it could be worse. It's great. So, so how do you uh, describe yourself as a music fan? Um, I like a little bit of everything. Literally a little bit of everything. I don't trust somebody that doesn't have a little bit of everything in their repertoire. Okay. So who would you say are like your favorite artists though? Uh, I lean more towards the rock genre. Mm -hmm. um, kind of the metal. I like hardcore rock. And then sometimes I go through the girly phase where I like pop stuff. And you can always get me with a 90s techno song. Always. <laughs> okay. I'll keep that in mind. So what about you as a uh, hip-hop fan? How much hip-hop are you into? I don't really know how to describe my hip-hop genre. Um, I, I like it. And sometimes I go through phases where I really want to put on certain songs yeah. And then sometimes I'll like hide them in my playlist and I'll be driving and I'm like, oh, tra -la, la going to work and then Get Low will come on and I'm like, oh shit, this is my jam. And I'm like driving to work to go, you know, take care of people and I'm like three, six, nine. And so I don't really know what I know and what mm -hmm. I don't, but I like it. Okay. And Missy Elliott, I put her on all the time for the girls. I'm like, you have to love Missy Elliott. Like we listen to her all the time. My okay. two-year-old doesn't even know if she likes her or not, but she will. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any favorite Missy Elliott songs or what specific ones you play a lot? I don't know, but whenever I'm at work and I'm walking down the hallway, it, if I ever like pass somebody and I'm trying to 
get out of their way, I'll go beep, beep. And then in the back of my head, I'll go, who's got the keys to the Jeep? Okay. Every time. Can't help it. Okay, that's so, a, that's a, that's the first album, Missy Elliott. That's a full-blown Missy Elliott fan there. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll crack me up, you know. And uh, I mean, and granted, people come into stuff at different times. I don't judge people for it. But it is weird sometimes whenever it's like someone will say they're a Jay-Z fan, but then they like don't know any of his music from like 96 to 2003. And I'm like, but that's, that's when he was on top or the hottest. Like, you got into him late like after the retirement those like michael jordan and the wizard years but anyways <laughs> so i gotta tell you i mean growing up here in west virginia like i didn't really even start listening to i didn't even really understand what the hip-hop genre was until right. high school and when i was playing basketball that's what all the girls listened to so i downloaded a few popular songs yeah. and started listening to them to just be cool but as far as getting into quote unquote old school hip hop and stuff. My husband is from Nebraska, but he raised he like educated me oh, really? on old school Jay-Z, old school um Ice Cube and like we've watched documentaries together about hip hop. We've watched um what's the movie that came out with that talked about the beginning of NWA? What was it called? No, probably straight out of Compton. Yep, that's it. I'm an idiot. And we watched that together, and he was, like, educating me on all of it. And I was like, this is very interesting. And then we listened to all the songs, and then we got drunk. So so speaking on that, though, I always find the early – I think I have a love-hate relationship with early 90s hip-hop. Like, I really get the, the late 80s because everyone was just inventing all these new styles, and everything was just so unique because everyone was kind of coming up with something different. I mean, what's an example of late 80s hip-hop? Because – I don't think I know the difference, and I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, why do I know late '80s? Or you don't know the timeline, I guess, because NWA would have been late '80s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When okay. I think I'm horrible, yeah. I'm not smart though. I'm. There's, <laughs> let me get that straight. Let's tell all the people I am adorable. I am not smart. <laughs> all right. Yeah. When I think of late '80s, I think of Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Beastie Boys, Run DMC, NWA. The Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff before he turned into Will Smith. <laughs> um, oh, I love yeah, Will Smith. Two Live Crew and stuff like that. Yeah, tr- tr- hey, we might we might do a Fresh Prince episode. I I enjoy Fresh Prince. <laughs> I sometimes will get drunk and put on. I don't. Okay, let's just. I drink sometimes, not all the time. Oh, someone's dying. Yeah. Sorry. How much do you drink? I used to drink a lot before I had kids, and now it's like one night a week, and that's the only time I have fun, so that's why I talk about it all the time. <laughs> but I do put on Fresh, I do, I started like re-watching Fresh Prince from the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. and even the first episode is just wonderful. Like, you watch it, and you're just like, look out, they're all little babies. Oh, yeah. Man. Okay, so late 80s hip-hop, and then 90s hip-hop, and you were talking about well, I was telling you, I guess, what would have been in the late 80s. Okay. Those are the main things I think of. I wanted to do an episode on Digital Underground because, once for, for one, Shock G has died recently, and he's one to me, he's one of these kind of unsung heroes in hip-hop, a guy that never, never was going to be this braggadocio rapper, was never going to be violent. He just kind of had his own vibe, and he was just enjoying his own style, and... 
I, you know, I really, I really appreciate what he brought to the table and, and the digital underground group that he formed. And they were hot for, you know, that, that early nineties time period, but they kind of fell off when, when the gangster hip hop really started to take over in the mid nineties. So based off what you've listened to, I mean, how did you feel about, um, digital underground? Um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, I didn't, I didn't love it where I was like, oh, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to this all the time. Like, you know, when a song hits you just yeah, right yeah. and you want to listen to it over and over and over oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day for like three months straight. But I, I mean, I thought it was good. Okay. All right. So I'll do a, I guess, a, I guess a brief history on them. I'll, I'll try, I won't make it too long here, but, um, basically <laughs> From Oakland, California, formed in 87, headed by Shock G, featured Shock Master J, Kenny K, Money B, Tupac, and, and Shock G's alter ego, Humpty Hump. You know, inspired by the P-Funk of the 1970s, which is Parliament Funkadelic, um, hit their peak in the early 90s, kind of faded when, when gangster rap took over. So, from your first listening to it, how would you describe their music to you? Um, definitely... Uh, what's the word I want to use for definitely like bouncy? That's okay. the word. <laughs> it, it was definitely like the, the way they, the way they say words and the flow of their music was very, you can tell it's very, very nineties cause it's very mm-hmm. rhythmic. Okay. bouncy. Yeah. And, um, I mean, everybody knows the Humpty Dance. Like, everybody's heard the Humpty Dance. But when I re-listened to it, I was really trying to listen to the lyrics, and I found myself kind of, like, getting into the rhythm of the way they say their words, and I really liked it. The Packet Man song? Jesus. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> the whole time I was like, is it, is he selling... Like, cause in the song, he even said it was like, it's not condoms. It's a sex packet. And I'm like, what the fuck is a sex packet? And I kept waiting. I kept waiting for them to explain it to me. And they never did. I'm still oh. left wondering. You, you don't understand what the sex packet was. Okay. No. Is it a, is it a roofie? Is it like a rape drug where you give them this? Cause it says, he says you need to be naked when you take it. And I was like, okay, they're giving instructions. Like this, this right. song is giving explicit instructions how to use these things. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll 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 start with with the sex packet song then. So. Oh, good. Let's do that. All right. So the sex packets, um, are actually what Packet Man is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. The album's called Sex Packets, but this song was Packet Man. So basically, it's a it's a play on the idea of of drug dealing. But yeah, the guy is selling what he calls sex packets. That is more like uh, it's more like hallucinating. It's more of almost a drug that says. If you take this drug, then you will hallucinate, and whoever and whoever uh, is on the cover, she you know she becomes your your woman essentially. So it's almost like you know if if you're bored with your girlfriend or wife or whatever, you can take this drug and it'll you'll imagine that it's somebody else. So so it's supposed to make the make the sex better, and then and then they go on to say yeah we have uh, girl packets too, so they have the the opposite as well, and yeah so it's a random random kind of just conversational song about like you know this fictional situation of of that but it's one of those things that just kind of goes with i guess goes with the album for what they're doing but it's a song that i don't know it it always sticks with me because once again it's just, it's just one of those random things that 
I would only find in hip hop in that sense that it's just kind of, uh, you know, this idea of Humpty running into this guy trying to sell him sex packets. But I think of it more as a song that is more of a, I guess, an album song that's meant to kind of help drive in um, the concept of the album and stuff more so than to be some standalone single or anything like that. But it's I think it really describes to, to me after you after you really listen to the lyrics of the Humpty Dance. Like as a kid, I just listened to you know the song and I was like, okay, and the Humpty and it. But when yeah. you actually listen to the lyrics, it sounds to me like this group was just having fun. Oh yeah, they weren't they weren't out there to write the the fastest rap lyrics or you know like Busta Busta Rhymes always has a song where he's like rapping super 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 fast just to prove yeah. that he's like the fastest rapper, and then Eminem comes in and he's like, just kidding. And, but this group just sounds to me like they were just having fun and just making what they thought was fun to make, yeah. which, you can, which I can appreciate. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say essentially, cause really when digital underground first kind of, uh, conceptualized, they thought they were going to be kind of black Panther rappers. But then I think after public enemy kind of blew up, they kind of looked at it like, you know, other rappers are kind of taking that lane. Let's just do something different. Let's just, you know, basically make random kind of kind of fun silly music because it was something that in their eyes you know was was lacking in hip-hop and Humpty also well I should say Shock G Shock G always looked at it like you know in order to be a rap star you know you almost have to become this super bravado you know have the super bravado about you and and it just wasn't wasn't it wasn't what he wanted to be it's almost like he can fake like he he he's that but he kind of just didn't like that about it. He's like, you know, why can't, you know, we kind of just, just rap and have fun with it and just enjoy ourselves. I don't want to try to turn into the, the, the hyper-masculine, you know, I guess stereotype of what, of what rappers are and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I think, I think that's a, a good way to put it though, is that they're out here trying to have fun. So, so out of curiosity, how successful do you think this album was though? How successful was it? Yeah. Um, I don't know, because because you're asking me, it might be a. I'm now I'm reading too much in the question. Like, was it really <laughs> successful, and I just didn't know, or was it not successful, and then blew up later? I don't know. I would say right away it was probably really successful. Mm-hmm. In terms of like sales and stuff, that's its own thing. Like, yeah, it went platinum and stuff, but plenty of acts do that. But one thing I've always found interesting with this one too is that the source was like you know hip-hop magazine that i don't think it exists anymore but it was one of the most like critically acclaimed hip-hop magazines for the longest while and you know people really took the source ratings seriously and uh it was always a big deal and rap you know within the hip-hop community and and the rappers if you know what they how many mics they got in the source and all that and i always thought found it interesting that like the source listed it as hundred you know like top hundred best rap albums of all time and then also in a book that wasn't there wasn't hip-hop focused but there's like a, a thousand and one albums you must hear before you die book you know they included digital underground sex packets so i've always found it interesting that it's viewed as like pinnacle or the one of the best things that at least coming out in hip-hop during during that time or even for future times it's certainly not for everybody that a lot of people enjoyed the humpty dance but may not be into digital underground altogether so I don't know. I guess I was just curious about what your take on is if if you're kind of surprised that it was well liked, or if you would just think people would kind of look at Digital Underground like, uh, you know, they're just a one hit wonder. I think it depends. 
depends on when they were exposed to it. Like if you ask kids today who have never heard these songs and you right. play it for them, they're going to be like, what is this garbage? But then you play it for somebody who has heard it, but they didn't like for me, I've heard the songs, but I didn't understand where I've heard it from. But like yeah. it brings back nostalgia of nineties. I'm like, Oh, I like this because now it reminds me of when I was a kid and I heard it anyway. But yeah. then you then you play it for somebody who knows who it is and understands the music, and they're like, "Oh man, love this! This is my jam." Yeah. No. Okay. We'll go to "Freaks of the Industry." Do you remember that song? Okay. I like I like it, but I don't know why I like it. What do you mean you don't like? What I don't know. Think about it. Why do you Why do you like it? it I mean, it's it's one of those songs that isn't. It's it's not trying to be something that it's not. Like if I it's not trying to be, you know, hardcore and bad. It's just it's honestly it's one of those songs that I wanna learn all of the lyrics to so that I can sing it to myself because it's creative. Like I wanna be driving down the road and I just wanna be able to spit these lyrics out and I wanna be able to throw it in random conversations. Like I want somebody to be like what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm deciding whether or not I need to do a little softer or put it in her butt. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have that in my, in my pocket to just randomly throw into conversations and it makes me 10 times happier. Okay. All right. Yeah. For, for me, what, what I enjoy about the freaks of the industry, I mean, I, I kind of enjoy the whole way he's describing you know, a situation, but what cracks me up about it, and, and the funny thing is I've heard other rappers do the ABCD thing, but he's definitely the first, because I remember one rapper I listened to, like Saigon, did it, but it was like in, you know, like late 2000s, where he had a song where he kept doing the ABCD kind of thing, and then and then you tell you what choice you should pick and stuff like that, but this is definitely the first time I've heard it, because this is back in 1990, and I like, I like Shock G's idea of like, okay, I'm gonna bring a situation and almost like it's some some you know multiple choice problem here. I'm gonna actually say okay here's here's the A and then tell you what you know what I might do and then B C and then at the end he, he gives you his, his D answer which he's gonna do. So is there yeah. a music video for it? Because that's what I would be interested to see would be the video. Yeah. And I would be most happiest if it was actually like a funny video of a guy trying to process what to do and his buddies in the other room being like, what the I don't know if there is for this one. I can't remember. No, unfortunately, no. There's there's a video for Do What You Like and Humpty Dance, but the free, yeah, Freaks of the Industry, I don't think has one. So, so sorry. Unfortunately, you'll, you'll have to make your own video for this song. Perfect. And put, put it up on YouTube. So. Perfect. <laughs> I'm already right. asking Vanessa right yeah. now in my head. I'm thinking, what bitch? Yep. What bitch will be this bitch? Mm-hmm. So, so you did enjoy the song, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So you enjoyed enjoyed it more than than Packet Man. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think I did. Okay. Like I, th- I think I'm just I'm a sucker for conversations in hip hop, like like songs that are, you know, replace a conversation or or do certain types of storytelling. So, and th- yeah, this is what I wouldn't call I wouldn't call Packet Man storytelling. I just call it a conversation, but. I don't know. I think I'm I'm a sucker for that kind of like acting thing. So I'm always going to be picking out those type of songs. Just I don't know, just cuz it's something different. All right. So um 
we can go ahead and go to uh, the Humpty Dance. So I don't think you need to re-listen to it unless you really want to. But what are, <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on the Humpty Dance? I mean, obviously the the music to that, you know, everybody knows. Like I said, everybody's heard it. And once I played it, I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. But the lyrics. I thought the lyrics were hilarious, and I can't believe I've never actually listened to the lyrics before. Okay. And it made me laugh out loud, and now I'm like, now I'm going to add that into my playlist, so when I'm driving to work, it will just randomly come on. Okay. And now I want to learn all the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy the Burger King reference, talking about he got busy in the Burger King bathroom, talking about in the 69, the Humpty Nose will tickle your ear. You know, like he, him pointing out the, the whole nose thing, because the, the whole thing with, with – Humpty with Shock G and Humpty Hump is like, you know, he puts on these glasses with this big nose and becomes this goofy character. And then he, and then he just totally switches up his voice and becomes this weird rapper that, you know, people thought that he was like some separate member in the group, but it's like, no, Shock G just doing a different <laughs> voice. And, and I crack and Shock G cracks me up about that. Cause I don't know how many like instruments he can play, but he, and like, do what you like. If you go far enough into the song, he has a part where, he says, like, piano man, break it down. And, like, actually, he's the piano man. So then he like, has this whole section where he's just playing the piano randomly in the song and stuff like that. So he's always, like, trying to make up, like, other characters to, like, make digital. It's almost like it makes Digital Underground seem like it's a bigger group than it really is. Because he, like, because Shock G just kind of plays all these different roles with, within the group. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, the thing, the thing I respect the most about some of these <clears throat> quote unquote older song, I, like I say older songs, but it's like, it's, you know, but yeah. you hear lyrics and songs and things that people are like, Oh, they could never say that nowadays. Like, and they say like, Oh, this, this did not age well. And then he said the line in the song, he was like, he, he called the girl fat. And then he was like, yeah, I called you fat. I'm skinny, but I could still get it on though. And I'm like, that's hilarious. That's that will always be okay because it's hilarious. And I'm like yeah. that I always respect when people were ahead of their time and they didn't even know it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, and this one's not as obvious because when you look at hip hop now, it's so mixed in with R and B that like you, you, you know, they're basically, they went from being like distant cousins to cousins to like one person. And, and one thing about like, that's a West Virginia thing right there. That, that's, we know about that. I guess, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's not the West Virginia uh, I surrounded myself in. But uh, <laughs> I didn't da- I didn't dab into that world of West Virginia. But anyways, <laughs> what I was getting at was like, for, for uh, Digital Underground, when they came out, the whole like aspect of mixing R&B with hip hop was still like a new thing. So that's why it's like, even even in the song, it's like, oh, actually, this is a different song. In, in this, they have a song called Same Song, where they're like R&B, mixed with the hip-hop style and stuff, where it's almost like, if you were to say that now, it's kind of like, well, that's what all R&B and hip-hop is now. But back then, and, and I was saying, when you have, like, when you compare, like, the 80s music, like, R&B and hip-hop are, like, so distinct and away from each other. Like, the idea of even like putting kind of melody and grooves and stuff into hip hop was kind of like, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're ruining our style of music. This is about just looping some, some drum <laughs> rapping over it, you know, or doing some electronic drum and not all this like chords and progression and melody and all this and singing and all this extra stuff. So he was, he was, so he was willing to kind of be on the, the front edge of that, that I feel like if you look before um, Humpty Dance, 
I'm not saying you won't find any, but you won't find a whole lot of like basically that hip hop and R and B mixed together, which you know became the norm, you know, a good five years later. All right. So um so now we just have do what you like. So Oh man, there's already titties in my face and I'm not even into the video yet. <laughs> That one doesn't tell as much of the story. It's more the, they just repeat the chorus over and over. Is that what yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it gets more into storytelling further in the song. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's any storytelling to it. They just get more random with the stuff they say. Yeah. So, but yeah, but that's, yeah, but that's really about it. But that's, that's their, their first hit. So, and I guess, and the two things also that's kind of random about the song was like, as I said, they, I don't know if it has it in the video, but they they have like a part where there's like piano man play how you like. And then they have, like a 20 second or 30 second part where you just hear this piano solo and then they have someone come on the intercom and say that uh like it's almost like sounds like someone on an airport you know for everyone you know listening we're going to end the track now we're going to go ahead and start turning the music down before for you and all this stuff and then they're like if you wanted to continue listening um or you want to stay on board then we'll put the music back up so it almost has like a fake ending to the song and then they just bring it back but yeah but generally speaking the song content wise doesn't doesn't change much so all right so so what are your feelings about do what you like oh it's definitely uh it's definitely fun just like mm-hmm. all their other stuff and it has uh that um the bounciness I, I need to use my words my word it has that like that stereotypical hip-hoppy 90s beat to it and then yeah. they do then they have like the repeat the repetitive like chorus line i guess but yeah. i mean it was it it's the video was fun you know it was very nostalgic obviously it's very 90s oh yeah um yeah okay all right bouncy yeah. Yeah. digital underground is bouncy <laughs> like the yeah. titties were on my face in the beginning of the video like the video hadn't even started yet and it was all her stripy shirt titties <laughs> they, were, they were some wild boys they were some wild boys not the wildest of boys but they were some wild boys like anytime i've seen shock g long after he was done rapping anytime you like see him talk there's usually 10 or 11 women in the room with him and they're usually and they're usually uh half naked so like he he was he was living the lifestyle <laughs> i mean he was a good looking dude and he was you know he was talented like if i looked like that I would also do the same thing. And I'm not even that old. I'm 34. So if I if I didn't have a family, I would surround myself with people too. It's just, it's what you should do. Right. Do you have any other, uh, I guess, general ideas or conclusions about, you know, how you felt about Digital Underground? I wished I had real. I honestly like, this was great learn learning about them and having this discussion because i knew about them and i knew their songs but now i'm like now i really want to dive in and like i said memorize some of these lyrics because i think they're really great but it's it's a different kind of hip-hop that i didn't really understand until i got older does that make sense yeah i guess yeah yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to be listening to Freaks of the Industry when you're 10 or, you know, so, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be, um, 
this was definitely hip hop for it for adults. But um, but yeah, and and for me, it's they're one of those groups that it's like I missed the wave because honestly, my my personal digital underground story was I remember we were leaving Texas, right? I'm nine years old. We're leaving Texas, moving to West Virginia, and it's imperative that my brothers told me you have to tape all the songs on the radio here or all the hip hop songs, all the good hip hop songs on the radio here, because when we go to West Virginia, they're not going to have as much hip hop. Stations <laughs> so I'm, I was, yeah. So I'm by, you know, my, my, my putting all these, these uh, things that are coming on the radio on tape. Right. And Humpty dance came on and I did not know the song and I didn't record it. And then whenever Jamel and Darren found out, I didn't record Humpty Dance, they were pissed at me. And but you have to understand, it came out March of 1990. I did not grow up on Humpty Dance. I was literally what three? So, so I know I didn't know the song, you know, in, in in 1995 or 1996 when I when I was moving to West Virginia. But man, Jamel Jamel was so pissed at me. And even like they were, he was playing basketball outside with his friends. They're like, oh, you miss Humpty Dance? Oh man, that's a classic and stuff like that. So so like for even for me. I look at digital underground as this wave that, that I missed. I knew of, but I knew I, I learned of them the opposite way in terms of I knew Tupac well, and that's what got me into digital underground. So my next question to you is, are you surprised that this is the group that essentially put on Tupac and, you know, Tupac broke away from to go solo and became the megastar he became? Yeah. Yeah, because I did not know that. Right. So, yeah, if you, if you, whenever I think of somebody who was not raised on hip hop and somebody who is not, I'm not versed in a, like, I'm not a hip hop, like, I know everything about it and stuff. Whenever I think of hip hop and R&B, I always think of songs that are kind of, they, they gear you up to like be tough. They, they, you listen to it when you're getting ready to, you know, you still, we used to put on like hip hop and R and B before we played, like I said, basketball, the basketball team listened to it. Cause that's what used to get us all hyped up to like go yeah. out there and do that. And then, uh, it, it's what you would put on before you were about to go out, you know, to the bars and shit. Like when we were younger and, um, you would put on hip hop when you're like just trying to get geared up to do something. And this kind of hip hop, I want to put on when I'm like want to be when I want to have fun like if we have people over and we're playing cards against humanity I want some of those songs to randomly come on so we can all be like oh shit (laughs) you know and then so it's like it's it's nice it's it's a nice change from the hip-hop that I thought I knew okay I mean were were you surprised by it or did you kind of just know that there was hip-hop like that but you just didn't hear it much the the second the second choice Okay. D, all of the above. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Wait, didn't Digital Underground, have they ever been in a movie? Hmm. Is there a movie with, hold on. Not that, not off the top of my head that I can think of, but it's certainly possible. They were in a movie. Hold on. Hold, hold on. I mean, they they would have been in Tupac's All Eyes on Me movie. (laughs) No, hold on. There is a movie called Nothing But Trouble. Okay. And it stars Hold on. I'm about to I'm about to learn you something real quick. I just need it's got it's got Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. And they it, it's I've seen it, 
and it's super weird. And I really didn't like the movie all that well. Uh-huh. And it was made in 1991. And a businessman, it says a businessman and his friends are captured by a sadistic judge. And they're like trapped in this backwoods, bizarre mansion house. And all I remember is at the end of the movie, Digital Underground comes in the, in the, in the picture and they like save them. And Chris is like, holy shit, that's, that's Digital Underground. And I'm like, I don't fucking know what that means. Are they, who are they? And I remember this now. Oh my God. You have to see the end of that movie now. Cause. Oh. I have, I have seen, I have seen Digital Underground before I listened to them. That's, that's, that's an interesting way to be introduced to them. I know. And, and yeah. the end of, it's such a terrible movie, though. I did not enjoy it. But I remember at the end, Chris was like, that's a really famous rap group. And I was like, that's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. So, okay. Well, there you go. We just, we learned. We went through. Thank you for this journey. This is great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I, I would have, yeah, I definitely would not have known that movie or known that Digital Underground had a, got to, got to be in a movie. But yeah, that's that's hilarious. I'll have to I'll have to check out the end of that movie. You should. <laughs> okay, so so it's been um, Darwin with the Hip Hop Multiverse featuring the Alley Cat on our Digital Underground Sex Packets episode. Maybe maybe we'll do a future Digital Underground episode. We'll get some of their their later tracks in there. Perfect. So, um, but anyways, I'm gonna go ahead and sign out. Thank you all for listening, and uh, talk to you later. So not a whole lot I wanted to correct about this episode. I just didn't really explain why I prefer late 80s over early 90s. I mean, for this, I'm really speaking on from 1990 to 1991. And mainly, there's just a little more commercialization. You know, the most extreme cases, of course, being MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice. And just a lot of the top acts at the time, whether it be Tribe Called Quest or Ice Cube or some others. It's not to say I don't like these artists, but I just didn't love them the same way I loved the a lot of the 80s artists or the the mid 90s artists and and there's of course plenty of carryover from late 80s acts that were still making you know good music in the early 90s but even with in those cases I always felt like I liked their 80s material more with the exception of maybe you know a cool G rap or something like that I mean there are acts I definitely do love I mean especially Ghetto Boys, Scarface, Naughty by Nature I mean I Black Sheep definitely have my favorites in that time but you know if I'm overall when I think of that era I'm more just prefer that mid 90s or, or the late 80s a little bit more than than the early 90s but just wanted to clear that up though other than that yeah didn't have any real uh corrections but last thing I just wanted to reiterate to uh rest in peace to shock g I mean he was super talented super innovative and will definitely always be missed all right catch you next episode